because that's really what I'm trying to do is, is remind you that you're a soul without limit and that, uh, you know, the possibilities are unlimited. That was Dan Marcini, and this is episode 24 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two, and in it, we're exploring healers, specifically how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy, Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the soul of sensitivity. Welcome back, everyone. This is season two of the soul of sensitivity. I am back from burnout (laughs) and I'm feeling really energized to be here in this podcast and be here with season two. So if you listen to some of the end of the episodes from season one, you'll know that I got in a little bit of physical burnout, actually kind of fried my adrenals, had to take some rest and recuperation. And what was really, really wonderful about that was that it helped me get really clear on what A, I want to be doing, and B, what I can do, you know, what I'm capable of. Because being in my sensitive body and with my creative energy means that I'm always getting all kinds of ideas for projects and things that I could be spending my time on. And they all just sound like glitter and unicorns and amazingness. And it's difficult for me to pare down um, the flashy ideas from the ideas that actually are mine to create. So part of what I've been doing is taking those ideas that come to me, pulling them into my body and asking every cell of my being, is this mine to do? And I actually do that exercise kind of through time, you know, is is this mine to do today, next month, through the year, whatever. So it's been really clarifying and I appreciate you back here listening even though I took a bit of a break. Season two is going to roll out a little bit differently than season one. Season two is going to be every other week. That's for me. That's for me because I can't create and edit a podcast every week. It's too much for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that it's too much. So I hope that you'll be okay with that. I'm putting more attention and energy into who I'm interviewing and uh, theming the season so that we can create a sense of coherency. I don't quite know yet how long season two is going to be because healers keep falling into my lap. Um, But there will be a beginning and there will be an end. And I already have season three ideas. Juices are already flowing. So this is going to be pretty exciting. 
My intention behind season two is to identify and share the stories of different healers in the world. In season one, although I interviewed several people, you got a pretty good idea about where I'm coming from as a healer, what my belief systems are, how I work with energy. You heard two live readings from me. So when it comes to what I do, unless, you know, maybe you haven't fully experienced it for yourself, but you have an idea of what it looks like. My goal is to, on this season, talk with healers from all different walks of life. And I'm going to throw it out there that I don't necessarily agree with or resonate with everything that I hear from these people that I've interviewed with. But what I want to demonstrate is that there's so much potential for how to be a healer in this world and allow you to you know, see how some of these stories unfolded. Because a question I just see a lot are from highly sensitives or, you know, just sensitive creative souls wanting to create something and feeling stuck or feeling like everybody's doing it or feeling um, like, oh, well, I'm too old to start this, whatever. No, you're not. So I'm hoping that season two demonstrates not only the, you know, how different all of our stories are um, in getting to being a healer in in whatever capacity, um, to also the all of the different beliefs and viewpoints that you can come from, and still do really high quality effective work. I've got to do a shout out to my Patreon supporters. I want to thank all of you who are with me on Patreon. I was listening to another podcast who was talking about Patreon like the answer to his prayers. And I have to say that those, you know, when he said that, those words kind of like struck a chord within me. Because I have been asking spirit, you know, how do I make this work? How do I make this podcast sustainable? And you, my patrons, you are the answer to that. This podcast is sponsored by you and me. So I'm going to be spending a little bit more time on what we're doing over on Patreon, what my patrons have access to that you might also want to have access to, and also spending a little bit more time talking to you about what's happening in a little bit in my personal life, but mostly what's going on in uh, my business at Sensitivity Uncensored and over at the Sacred Rebellion. Because the School for Sacred Rebellion and the Refuge are ramping up. And I'm already seeing that 2019 is going to be a huge year for sensitive, intuitive development at the school and for just a really strong community of sensitives. So I'm going to be telling you the juicy topics that we're discussing in the membership group, The Refuge, how people are contributing to that. And I'm also going to be sharing opportunities with you for um, engaging 
with the School for Sacred Rebellion, um, you know, at the level that feels great for you. All right, so I'll be sharing more of those topics um, as we as we get into season two. Today I'm interviewing Dan Marcini. We met kind of serendipitously where he heard my interview on the Shift Your Spirits podcast and just decided, just got a little ping from the universe that said, I need to reach out to her. And I get, you know, a lot of you contact me, which is awesome. I love when you do. And there was also another ping for me that said, you know, I think, I think I'm going to follow up on this. This feels important. So Dan and I had a conversation and I found his story to be fascinating from farm boy to part-time healer and onward to professional healer. I think his story is going to touch in with a lot of you. When I asked Dan for a bio, he wasn't sure what to to tell me. He said he would leave that up to me. So the first thing I'm going to say about Dan is that he's a fantastically positive and open individual. He provides healing sessions, uh, discovery sessions, that he where he shows you the possibilities and opportunities of your multidimensional self. Dan has an incredible ability to get right at the heart of what is happening for you and does so in a really gentle way. When I got finished with my session with Dan, I felt an incredible amount of space. And with the things that I ended up working on, which you'll hear about in the interview, I had no more emotional attachment to them. Dan is currently doing his work part-time while he um, is still working a a professional job elsewhere, and most of his sessions are donation-based. So I'm going to provide all of the links to his incredible work in the show notes, but um, I know eventually he'll probably be charging some for sessions, so y'all should get in on this now because Dan is, is pretty awesome. Dan and I talk about how he went from living on a farm, being a farm boy, running a super successful produce company, to having so much pain that he ended up going to a healer and really finding his calling. What I really love about Dan is his ability to embrace change and look at challenge as a way to grow. I think that his kind of positive attitude is something that I really look up to because I know sometimes I get kind of stuck in my own thoughts and I found Dan's attitude to be uh, really fun. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Dan Martini. And really our choices are, are all that, that create our experiences. So, um, you know, that my work is helping you, helping each soul remember that they really are a soul experiencing this moment as, in our case right now, as a human being, but first we're a spirit, first we're God, and then we have made choices after that. 
and everything, every choice you've ever made has brought us to this moment. And, you know, if we want to choose differently going forward, we can. But if there's something hindering us, something keeping us uh, from moving forward in the direction we really want to go, fear, traumas, uh, you know, trapped emotions, whatever, those, those need to be addressed um, and, and completed before we can really move forward from a place of uh, more wholeness or more truth, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So that's always my goal to um, move you closer to your reality of who you really are, not, um, you know, not a mental aspect. That is an aspect of us, our mental aspect, but we start out as spirit and then the other aspects of us are charged with kind of bringing that spirit to life and creating the experience that we that we choose whether mm-hmm. it's happy sad whatever it's an experience that we've chosen to experience and we need to experience all of them because there's no good or bad ones they're just different um so they just add to the story add to the exactly experience right. yeah and the judgment is what keeps us stuck the judgment that oh i don't want that or this is bad or this is whatever keeps us stuck in certain places and and from the beginning of our existence we've been given the free will to make choices and those choices that we made that we can't reconcile, that we can't accept that we made a choice like that, that we, that we judge as bad or that we judge as, as um, traumatic or you know, something that we don't want to feel, then we get stuck. Pieces of us get stuck there. And if we don't complete that experience, we can't be whole. And, and um, so the, the challenge always is to experience fully in every moment so we can move into the next moment fully and experience that moment fully. Um, and, you know, because we were eternal beings, we've done lots and lots and lots of things in our existence and some things are stuck and that's okay. That's part of the experience too. But if, if you don't want to be stuck anymore, if you want to move forward, then now's the time to do it, right? <laughs> totally. So Dan, we've been talking a little bit and I know that you grew up in a farm, on a farm, right? In no, California. Indeed. So I, I love to, to get our stories out. So how did you come into this work? And tell us a little bit about how you were um, kind of raised and then what eventually led you into finding this type of work? Yeah, I was raised on a farm and, and uh my parents separated when I was young, so I was kind of summers on a farm and then uh, winters with my mom for a while. And when I uh, got old enough, I went to, to stay with my dad on the farm full time and, and planned on, you know, farming the rest of my life. And so I went to, uh, you know, high school and then to college and, and was fully ready to come back and farm and farm for a lot of years with my dad. Did a lot of this stuff myself. Um, and my dad had farmed since he was a young age because he, you know, grew up that way too. Um, but when I got out of college, uh, he sat me down and said he didn't want to do it anymore. And that was in the mid eighties, which, uh, was really the worst time ever for farming because mm-hmm. there was just too much stuff, too much product. We had learned how to grow stuff better. So there was just too much. Um, so there was no market for any kind of products, but, um, so at that time, interest rates were fairly high and, I just got out of college. I knew that uh, to buy him out wasn't going to be financially, uh, you know, appealing. So uh, <laughs> just by coincidence, uh, I got offered a job in in the produce business in Arizona. Um, and my dad and we got offered uh, by some people to lease our properties and then uh, with the option to buy in two years. And so I told him, hey, retire, I'll go try this for a couple of years. And when two years are up and the leases are up, we'll decide what to do. And 
when I got done, I had gotten into the more uh, wholesale and brokering into the produce business because we used to grow and pack and ship produce. And um, then I got more into the part of where uh, you brokered it or and then wholesaled it, you know, to grocery stores and that kind of stuff direct. Um, so uh, I told him sell out and I'll go do this and and um, basically we got out of farming and I got into the other ends of the produce business and uh, did a couple years of traveling around during the seasons within to Mexico and San Diego and Central California. Um, but got tired of that moving all the time and, and really working tons of hours, but learned a lot. Um, and then decided, uh, you know, I didn't want to do that anymore. So settled in Fresno, uh, where I'd gone to Fresno State. I grew up about 45 minutes from here. Um, so then spent the next, really from, you know, 1989 till now even, uh, kind of, uh, redo a business that the guy who hired me said that they were going to close the business in six months if, if we don't turn it around. And so for whatever crazy reason, I said, that sounded like a challenge. So I went for it and, and um, <laughs> so we turned the thing around, built the business, took it private uh, from the company that owned it before, um, sold it, grew it some more, sold it again. Um, now we're owned by a nationwide company and, and that's part of my exit strategy to kind of get out of it. But uh, about four, maybe to five years ago, I started just really having a lot of shoulder and neck pain. Uh, I played a lot of baseball um, in my life, so a couple of shoulder surgeries, and just and it, but just kept getting weaker. And the muscles in my neck and shoulder on the right hand side were really getting weaker and weaker, and we couldn't figure out why. Went to doctors, went to Stanford, nobody could figure out why. Um, and so having back problems and couldn't sleep and so uh, my mom and my stepdad at the time were both psychology trained and just talked to them and said hey I'd like to uh, you know sit down and talk because I'm thinking that maybe this is something more than just uh, you know physical so uh, started every Wednesday night to go to my mom's and my stepdad's and have dinner with them and then for two or three hours we'd talk and they would you know shrink my head. <laughs> But I, I quickly realized that I had learned to shut everything off from my neck down. I could completely disregard everything that was going on for me so that I could function and run a business and get a hold of everything and, and, um, and you know, by sure will getting things done. Um, but I realized that I had created a monster, you know, within myself by being able to ignore myself, essentially. So as I started to um, pay attention, I started realizing how much I'd really uh, stuffed. And then, you know, they would ask me, because like, well, do you feel any anger? And I go, no, I'm not angry. <laughs> no, no, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not feeling any of that. But I really had not even no idea what an emotion felt like, right? What did sadness feel like? Because I really learned how to shut it off, really because um, it was just a, a great defensive or defense mechanism to survive, right? right. We all create defense mechanisms to survive. Right, absolutely. And so I'm curious, you know, growing up in this, um, the way that you did and learning to shut things off, sometimes um, those of us who come into to healing have ha kind of had mystical experiences that we just kind of, I don't know, put into a box because we didn't know what to do with them. Was that part of um, your childhood or was that off too because it was shut, kind of shut off? You know, when I was young, when I was a child, 
I was always uh, scared of things that, that, in, that, you know, that I saw, but nobody yeah. else saw it. So I just thought, yeah, you know, it must be me and I must be having nightmares and I just must be, you know, and then your mom, you know, can't give you a cup of milk and put you back to bed. And, but, you know, I was always having that, but as I got older, then I go, again, I, I learned to shut all that off. And um, so I never thought about it again. Right. When, when, yeah. you, grow up, when you grow up in a, on a farm, you know, you, you only go to town once or twice a week. You go grocery shopping. You don't, you know, you're not out to dinner. You, when you watch TV, you watch what your dad watches, wants to watch because, you know, there's only, you know, one or two TVs in the house. There wasn't, you had a big antenna on your roof. There wasn't 5,000 channels. There was no internet. There <laughs> right. was no, you know, whatever books you read, you, you know, either got at a library or school books. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we played, we played ball and we, we worked and we played more ball and we rode motorcycles and we, yeah so and we swam and we you know hunted and so, so there, there would be no context there would be none or, you know it's funny because i remember when i was little some some sort of spiritual beings they like to play around my bed at night which terrified me right because there's all these stories of the monsters under the bed yeah you know and i would be told similarly like oh my gosh Anna, like just go to sleep and i had no context at the time for you know what else might be happening yeah, so, and no idea. And even going forward through my life, I was in no situations where I was, you know, my family's Italian and raised, you know, Catholic. And although I'm not a religious or didn't go to church hardly at all because it just never felt like it was for me. Um, and then when my dad and mom were divorced, I was young. Then, of course, the, you know, the Catholic church doesn't go for that. So, you know, my mom looked at other churches and my dad basically said, you know, up yours to the Catholic church because he was pissed. And um, <laughs> so, you know, so my mom tried a lot of different religions, religious science, all kinds of different religions, but none of them kind of fit, mm -hmm. um, which was cool. But um, so then you go through your whole life and you run a business and no, nobody has any idea. Yeah. So as we started to work on this, my mom, who's a teacher and, you know, does a lot of research, she just started, you know, because I would say things, well, you know what, it feels like energetically something this, and she would Google stuff. And, and so I would work on something and then I'd leave her house and I'd come back the next Wednesday and they'd, they'd go, well, okay, well, here's where we were left. I'm go, no, I'm way past that. Let me tell you what I know now. And let me tell you this. And let me tell you, and they would be like, what? So then my mom would write notes and she would, and then she would say, oh, come go, you know, Google stuff. And she started looking at energy uh, work and energy healings. And we, she found the motion code by Brad, Nel Brad Nelson and and, um, you know, we started into that and she, we found pranic healing and we find Reiki and we, we got all that stuff and we found um, other, uh, you know, spiritual teachers. But, but more than anything, I was still working on my neck and shoulder. And right. I, I went to a, um, to a center here in Fresno that's called The Center and there's massage therapists and craniosacral uh, tech, uh, practitioners and drummers and, you know, all kinds of different things, right? And, um, and so I went to the open house and, you know, you put your name down, you put it in the bowl and miracle. I get a session with a lady named Kate who does craniosacral work, right? Oh, perfect for my neck and my shoulder. That's the next step for me. Right. So we make the appointment and I go and, um, and I get laid down on her and I tell her my neck and shoulder and I've had two shoulder surgeries and blah, blah, blah. And, and she goes, okay, we'll lay down. So, I lay down and she puts her hands by my head and she steps back and she says, you're not here to do this. You're, I'm supposed to teach you about your spiritual gifts. And 
I never even heard that word spiritual gifts, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I just looked at her and said, okay, what well, sounds right? Let's do it. And um, so for every week for, for one year, um, I started going back and she started with, you know, I'll just say, you know, worthless stuff like, can you tell me what's inside this box and let me, uh, you know, teach you this. And then I'd be like, yeah, but, but what's really going on? You know, that's so um, I started doing that. Then I found a sound healer named Solo here in town. And, and I just somehow knew I was supposed to go once a week to her. And I just lay there while she does the bowls and all the stuff. And, and so that went for one year. Um, but during that time of uh, working with Kate, I started to realize that, that um, yeah, I can feel everything that she was feeling and I could feel and I could see what she was seeing. And, and then I could take her places she didn't, she had never been before. And we could, we could do all these things together because, you know, there was really, she, she already had kind of a, a concept of all this stuff. And, and, but I would say, well, can you, you know, can you see this? And can you see that? Can you feel this? And well, she didn't feel like I did, but she could sure go any place that I could take her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I mean, you know, cosmically mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so, uh, we started doing that. And then I started to kind of, we kind of worked back and forth the last couple of months where I'd work on her and she'd work on me and we'd kind of teach each other and kind of gain some awareness. Um, then really I started learning about journeys, people doing journeys and uh, read, uh, uh, I guess a series called The Journey by Suzanne Lai. I don't know if you've heard, mm -hmm. she's an Arcturian uh, channeler. And she mm -hmm. has a story that you just click on her button and it basically takes you through kind of a process of her awakening um, in a step-by-step, -step, you know, more uh, kind of detailed, uh, you know, account. And then I just followed that until such time as I took off from this way, because I'm not, you know, and then, because uh, the basics were the basics. And then once mm -hmm. I went on my own, so as I realized that I, that I was healing myself and that I could heal myself and that it was about judgment and, and that, you know, basically I realized as I could, you know, uh, expand my consciousness could realize that anything's possible and everything's possible. All we have to do is imagine and then we can create it. Then I started really realizing how I had created my own defense systems um, and how I had created my own experiences. And, you know, in, remember in my world, you know, the 3D world, I, I'm very successful and I, you know, built a big business and I, and, and this whole thing was like a complete opposite thing. But I started to put the things together realizing, man, I wonder if that's how I know when these markets are shifting and that's how I know when to make the buys and that's how I know when to, cause, Cause somehow I was new, right? Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. somehow I always knew when things needed to change or, but I always kind of came from a place of driving it by my sheer will, as opposed to being in a flow. Um, mm -hmm. So as I started to let go of the need to be in control and started mm -hmm. to let things happen and be in a flow, I started to realize that um, that's causing this pain because I'm not allowing, I'm not, there's too much judgment. I need to let things you know, be the way they're supposed to be without me trying to change them in a way that forces it, right? I needed to then kind of more, um, you know, we talk about holding space. I needed to, to really show and, and ask for what I wanted and then leave that there for people to go to rather than pushing them towards the direction I wanted to go. And, and as that started to 
to really shift. I started a shift and people around me started a shift and I started meeting more people. And then I met a lady named Abby uh, who does journeys and um, uh, really more, um, you know, mental type journeys, not feeling. And, and I said, well, you know, I feel and you see, you, you see, let's see if we can work together and just try some things. And then it was, you know, really uh, beneficial. And just like my work with you, we're coming from mm -hmm. two different perspectives. And then I started meeting other people, people that read Akashic Records and people that, you know, did whatever. And we started just sharing back and forth, kind of trading, like I said with you. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, they would say things, well, you were a blueprinter in the past, in, you know, in before, and you were this and you were that. And so I started to kind of, okay, well, that makes some more sense. But more than anything, I just realized that, that I'm a, you know, spirit, that I'm God, and I've chosen everything in my ex existence in my experience and that's what's led me to wherever i have gone so whatever i've done in past lives whatever i've it's all part of the whole thing so um i started to gain a bigger perspective first from that kind of blueprint perspective where we can create earth or planets and ecosystems and everything and then even a broader perspective of okay well now i see why we did it that way and okay now i see why we might choose differently next time but we didn't do it wrong. We just might do it differently next time. And, and then started to watch it from kind of both sides, how each soul is manifesting their own uh, kind of reality and how they can change that by allowing themselves to let go of the fact that they might've done something wrong or, or might've, you know, done something bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then started working with people at my mom's because she would invite people just to talk about stuff and then start saying, well, my empathic abilities if i can heal myself i can just connect to you and i can feel for you and on your behalf or with you at a soul level we can start healing and and that's kind of the way it started mm -hmm. and then of course it broadened from everybody's perspective because each individual soul is different so some are going through uh you know possessions some are have you know uh reptilian you know implants and some have just traumas from childhoods and some have traumas from way past all different ways that we experienced our existence and then of course all the different defenses defense systems that were put in place to protect them from their fears or from whatever they perceived as as uh, as something scary right or something mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. uh, you know going to hurt them so and so what I find, so what I'm hearing and what I experienced in your work is that it's very eclectic and pretty non-dogmatic, which is something that was really appealing to me, was that you have a lot of information. There's so many ways to be a healer in just everything that you described. You know, I think you touched on probably a dozen different um, kind of systems that you seem to be able to merge together really well to create kind of a, a broad basis for understanding all the potential forms and iterations um, that can show up within a soul's um, imprint or blueprint even. Um, Unlimited. Yeah. And what's so interesting about it for me is that sometimes, um, you know, some of the things that, that we talk about, like, maybe I don't resonate with, but if the healing works, who am I to, <laughs> to care if it resonates or not, right? Yeah. And so the thing, that the thing that I think I found most fascinating about your work and that I'd like to talk about here is that it is its focus on your clairsentient ability. 
And when I, when you first told me about this, I was a little um, conf confused and let me explain why, which is that in most of the highly sensitive people that I work with, empathic abilities are something that are um, difficult to control and really hard on our body. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what was so cool about experiencing work from you is that you were able to use your clairsentient ability. And this is how I experienced watching it to use that ability in a way that was like not responsible or sticky at all to what you were picking up on so that you could kind of process and transmute that information without it sticking on you or creating a detriment in your space. Is that, does that sound accurate? That's exactly right. Yeah, can you explain that a little bit more for our listeners? Yes. So the, re the reason why I don't take any of that on and I don't, it doesn't affect me in a negative way is because I don't judge it at all. And most people that do that take something on because they're triggered. Yes. So when you, when you have a desire to heal somebody, you're already in trouble because you've already judged them that there's something wrong with them, right? I don't. I simply connect to you and find out get information from you and your higher self of what you're ready to work on, what you're ready to let go of at a high level. And then we bring that down and connect it and then shift that, whether it's a physical trauma, emotional trauma, a memory, some kind of thought process, a belief system. It doesn't matter. I, I, and so you said something about it a minute ago. So when I come into a session with somebody, somebody there's no plan. I connect with you and then you tell me where we go. And then I support you in it fully and I take you to where you need to go or you take me where you need to go that you might be fearful to go and I go with you as support. And then because we're one at a high level, if there's pain that needs to be experienced and you're not willing to experience at this moment, I can experience it for you on your behalf and let it go just the same as if you did. And so when you experience that pain on my behalf, do you experience it as pain in your body or is it more of a neutral sensation? No, it's experienced as pain. I feel it fully on your behalf, but it doesn't affect me whatsoever because I don't judge it, right? The, yeah. So then, yeah. So I'm curious then, this is so interesting. What is your theory? So a lot of highly sensitive people just with super open channels can walk through a grocery store and pick up so many emotions, not trying to, not going in, trying to judge like I'm trying to heal you or anything. Do you have a theory on why that happens? Like why we end up picking up that extra energy and, and not necessarily, because what I find is that I don't necessarily experience someone else's joy as joy. It might yeah. just feel icky. I'm curious in your, you know, kind of system, if you have a theory for that. Yeah, from my perspective, the theory is the judgment. So if, so let's say this way, when I was, before I, I learned to be in charge of my own, uh, you know, my own energy, I, I was always casting out my energy unknowingly to see, to get a response of how, how I was, right? Oh, if that person's angry, then maybe they're angry at me. Oh, if that person's happy, then I must be okay. Because it was always a judgment about me, right? It's always about us. It's never about the other person. It's always about us. So any energy that they're giving off, we constantly make it about us, which is a judgment about me. 
Right. Oh, that's fascinating. So if we have, so extrapolating on that then, so if we have like self-esteem issues or worth issues, is that kind of what you're, so it's kind or of a shame, subcon- issues. shame issues. It's kind of a subconscious judgment then. Exactly. So we're checking uh, all the time, right? It's like saying to your partner, I love you, but with the whole intention of not loving them, seeing if they love you back. Yeah. Right. So, right. So what happens? It's, like, it's like an unconscious conversation that's happening within the energy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly right. So, yeah. so what happens is if you walk by somebody at a grocery store and they're having a bad day and they're angry, then you pick up on the anger and you automatically subconsciously make it about you. And now I'm angry because, because you're angry about me and I don't want you to be angry because now I'm feeling angry. And what am I angry about? I don't even remember, but now something's triggered and I can't let it go because I don't want to go down and feel what's triggered, mm. right? So here's the gift of it. It's information for you. Yeah. It's information to trigger you to look at yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So now when I walk through any place, sure, there's all kinds of information there, but I only, I only take any information that's about me. Mm-hmm. And if it's, a, if it's about me, then it's a gift to me to work on myself and something that's triggered. So as you let go and let go and let go to where the point where almost nothing triggers you, then the experience is just you're, you're okay with them being angry and you're okay with them being unhappy and you're okay with them being sad and you're okay with them being happy. You, you don't judge it because that's their experience, what they've chosen and you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. So you don't pick up anything. Absolutely. And, and so then that, you know, and and I think what you're talking about too, is like an increased self-awareness and an increased spiritual awareness. And, you know, maybe part of the goal is being able to get to the place where if we, if we do get, you know, walk through somewhere and pick up stuff, it's like, oh, there's, like you said, there's some information for me. There's something there. About me. About about me. Exactly. Exactly. About me. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's what I've seen happen in the courses that I teach is that we become more sovereign in our space. We become more aware of what's happening. And then what, and then you're, you're just picking up less and less Definitely. about what's going on, or you're getting to sticking points where something, you know, as you peel those layers off, right. As you become more aware, you get like sticking points every now and then it's like, Oh, here's sure. a layer to work through. Yep. Yeah. And I do that for myself every day, but more and yep. more, I'm working through things that are more, uh, you know, higher dimension stuff, higher level stuff, and not so much, oh, uh, my baseball team lost the game and now I'm upset. You know, mm-hmm. those things, those things, you know, sure, sure. When your team loses, you, you're upset for a moment, but then move on to the next moment, let it go. If they win, you feel joy for a moment, but then let it go, you know, mm-hmm. and don't hang on to anything. So, so that judgment about what's going on for me has to be addressed, right? So yep. anybody that's empathic or clairsentient that's picking up something else, it's a gift for you to look at yourself. Yeah. Everything that triggers you is a gift for you to look at something that needs to be addressed within you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How great so is that? It's fantastic. If we're open to it, I mean, what strikes me right. so much about you is this positive attitude that you have to like, hey, let's look like, hey, what's next? You know, yeah. some of us, you know, it, it's, it can, I, I've worked with um, folks where it's really hard to generate that kind of kind of optimism and it can take some work that's why the the work with the soul that i do allows the soul to start being more in charge yeah soul part of us the god part of us is non-judgmental it's it's pure love pure support right unconditional but most of us get caught up in the mental aspect of us being in charge 
and the mental aspect of us creates egos for protection, creates belief systems, creates all kinds of stories, and they and and the soul part of us allows that, right? The soul says, okay, okay, if that's the way we want to be, that's fine. But the moment that, that you start looking at it from a bigger perspective, go, wait a minute, I have a choice, right? Especially from, from a deeper level of connection, then we start mentally start making new choices. And at that time, when we, when we mentally make a choice that says, wait a minute, I'm going to allow the spirit part of me to be in charge and not the mental part, then we can let go of stuff all the time. We can stop judging ourselves and start looking at everything that's out of harmony and shifting that and shifting that and shifting that. But first it takes somebody usually to help you to remember, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think why we have healers, right? Is that they're, you know, they're just someone, I think about healers and teachers as someone who's just a little bit further on the path, you know, they, you know, ran into their opening a little sooner than somebody else. And so now we're here to, to, pay it forward or, you know, whatever. Um, Something that I'm curious based on what you said, I'm curious if you've worked with couples. um, And so something that I get a lot of, oh, I I see a lot of is um, when one partner in in a, you know, a partnership, a marriage, whatever, is, is doing this work right, is growing in their soul, is letting their soul come forward, is stepping more into themselves, more into their power, and their other partner is not. What do you see happen in that? Like, do you, yeah, I'm curious what you've seen yeah, in your experience. I, I do work with couples. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'll just tell you the experience from me with my, my own wife. Sure. Um, because she was raised Catholic too, and goes to the Universal Unitarian Church now. And, and um, so what, what typically happens in a situation like that is the one uh, person that's moving forward uh, is again, wanting to talk about this stuff, wanting to, but, but at an early stage, wanting to help the other person. Right. So I'll just use my own uh, experience because um, you know, that's, I can speak to that without using anybody's name stuff. So what happened for me was as I learned and I started feeling better and better and less pain and all that stuff. And I started talking to my wife about it. She looked at me like I was nuts, <laughs> right? You know, and she's an RN. So, so her thing is, you know, Hey, just get some pills, you know, just what I've seen. <laughs> so, you know, and then we had my mom working on herself too, which then kind of threw a wrench into things with my wife. Plus then the psychologist stepdad, who then we would get together as groups and we'd have psychology and spiritual stuff and, you know, energy work. And so it was a lot for her. Um, so what I found was that when, as, as I, that I needed to always just work on myself. If I had a desire to, to change her or to fix her or give her some information that she's not asking for, I had to look at myself and see what was that about? Why did I feel the need to, to do something? Why did I feel the need to, to fix something that's not broken? She isn't broken. She's just making different choices than I am, right? Mm-hmm. So as I started to stop judging what she was doing, how she wanted to do it, and let go of the judgment of myself, I started to create a space, a space of, hey, you're fine exactly the way you are. If you want to talk about something, fine, right? So what would happen then, it left a space. So what happened? She'd come home from work or come home from something where something was triggered, and she'd walk in the door, and I had already knew that she was, you know, coming because I could feel her energy, right? Well, at that time, 
I was still like, okay, well, I want to help her. But then I would have to stop myself because I was, because right. you know, I still had some belief that said, if she's happy, I'll be happy. But, mm. but I had to let that go, right? I can be happy even if she's not happy. It's her choice. So then as that happened, she started to come to me more and more. At first, with just bitching, right? Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 And they said this. And now, and, and I'd say, oh, yeah, that, that sucks. Could there be another reason? Is it possible that that's just a story you're making up and then none of that really happened, but this is the way you perceived it based on your own issues? No, 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 no. But little by little, over a period of a year and a half, she started to go, well, maybe. And then it got to the point where she would come home and, and say, I want to work on this stuff. And can you help me? And then I would connect with her. And then, I, and then every place she got stuck, I could shift that energy, that trauma, that belief system, and then she could move past it. And then she started to be able to kind of figure out kind of ways herself. And, and so one way she figured out how to do things was when she, you know, started to feel uh, something, she wouldn't run away. She would face it. And, and, and for example, if she felt worthless, she would just keep saying worthless, worthless, worthless until it shifted. And sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes three or four minutes. You know, Isn't that's it amazing just how naming something can be so free? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But you know, before yeah. she didn't even want to face it. She just wanted to ignore it. Right. And which we all do. So, yeah. well, that's a really, that's a judgment. Let her move forward. That's really beautiful. That's a really, that's a really lovely story. In the five years that I've been doing this, I've seen more of a conflict in, um, you know, the real like needs and desires of the relationship shifting because of work and that becoming non-negotiable on a certain level where when okay. partner just chooses, they don't want to do the, the work and that can happen too. So I just want to throw it out there that that can happen. Definitely. Um, and then the person has to choose, decide what they want to do. Exactly. So they can, they can coexist. Yeah. They can keep working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the questions that, um, so I experienced your work. we had had a little trade. It was fantastic. You were really quick at just getting into the heart, just, just diving right in to what was going on, which I really loved. And I, a question that I get asked by people that kind of popped up for me is when you, you know, get that first look or first sense of somebody's space, when you connect to them, because when you connected to me, it's like, oh, we've got this, we got, you know, this tension's here, and this is here, and this is here, and this is here. And that's often how I see a space. It's like, okay, let's start to clear out, you know, what's on top, and then let's like get into like the meatier work that you want to do. Sure. And people often ask me, it's like, well, like, is something really wrong with me? And it's like, no, like, we all kind of look like this, you know, on the day to day. So I'm curious if like, you know, is that the general way that people show up? for you right uh, or how or how that works yeah. yeah at first it is and then over yeah. if they if they keep coming back they always figure we always i always teach them how to keep clear yes exactly and, and then when they get here then um typically they're ready to go i mean yeah. they're in, and and yeah. you i can connect with them and and many times some of them are now aware even mentally what the next what they want to work on Totally. And yeah. so yeah, the, the first time the, they're, they're really not used to it and they're not, they're very defensive and the mental aspect is really, you know, holding on tight. And, and again, it's the non-judgment and allowing that I say, okay, that's fine. Let's, we'll just sit here until you, you know, you're ready and, and we always get in. But as you do it more and the people who come back for multiple sessions, boy, they come in ready to work and work right. at levels. And yeah, well, and that's, but, and that's kind of what I mean is like, there's always work because we're always experiencing something new that's bringing something else up for us, right? Yep. 
So, you know, when I, like, sometimes I'll tell people, especially when I'm teaching, you know, say we're, we're learning to look at a certain type of blockage. Um, it's like, we're all, we're all, we all have blockages. We all get to move them and we become quicker at moving them and we become more efficient at moving them. But as we have experience, like, we're going to come up with, again, stuff that's part of being human, right? That's part of what we get to do. That's exactly right. And, and, we're, and it really becomes, it comes down to a point of how much time can I spend at peace? Yeah. Not, not that doing it, but I'm talking about peace wherever I go, at peace in the grocery store, at peace at work, at peace wherever. So what I tell people is start noticing the moments in, during the day when you're at peace. And then they start noticing and they realize, boy, I'm hardly ever at peace, right? Like for me, I could say that I was never at peace at one point, but now I'm at peace 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. That's the work. So those 5% of the time where I'm not at peace, I look at it and I pay attention to it mm -hmm. and I, you know, let it go so that I can go back to peace. So the, the goal is to be at peace, not to be happy, not to be anything, not to be just at peace. And then you can choose from there what you want to do. Because well, right, because emotions are human things. Like, they're actually, actually in our body, right. That's a great thing, emotions. Yeah. I want to be happy, but I, but I got to be sad, too, and I got to be angry, and I got to be, you know, cheerful. And I, but whatever's appropriate for that moment, then feel it. And like I said, you know, I'm a big, you know, sports fan, so it's appropriate to be angry when your team loses, but then let it go. Yeah. And it's appropriate to be happy when your team wins, but let it go. But Yeah, or, or feel it fully so that it does it go. Fully. All, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Pain, misery. Feel it fully and it'll only last for a moment. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that's the healing one. When, when I go into somebody's uh, aspects and into their energy, if we feel that old pain fully, it only takes a moment and then we can move past it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'll feel it for you if needed, right? Yeah. So in all of this work that you're doing, so um, you're still working at the produce, you're still working produce and you're doing healings. I just love this combination, by the way, Dan. And I, I, I really love highlighting this because I think so many times when we get into this healing work, um, a lot of people I work with feel really, you know, really pressured that they have to do one or the other. And even though there's a desire to do one, you know, you can create a plan that allows you to, you know, phase out of what you're doing, phase in, be a produce person and a healer, you know, it's all, it's all good. Um, is there anything that you have to do? Um, because spiritual work, you know, it, it forces the body to keep up, you mm -hmm. know? So what do you do to, you know, nourish your body with all this work you're doing? Well, I mean, nothing out of the ordinary. I, uh -huh. try, to, I try to eat right, you know, and, and, you know, I exercise three or four times a week, you know, ride, ride the exercise bike or, uh, walk, you know, an hour or so. I, you know, drink a green drink in the morning because I, <laughs> I like that. Uh -huh. uh, but really, it's about being in harmony, right? So yeah. everything is okay, right? You, people don't have to stop eating certain things. People don't have to whatever. Yeah. If you're in harmony, you're in harmony. Yeah. Right? So you're in harmony with whatever you eat. Now, you know, I like sweets and I like, you know, whatever. And But I also have a desire to... Uh, not be 300 pounds so I eat what I feel was appropriate um, mm. but because I because I've let go of so much judgment if I eat three soups of ice cream one night and I don't eat ice cream again for another week and a half or two weeks I'm okay with that and you know I, I get a lot of questions about being a vegan being you know vegetarian being, and, and I go look whatever you want to do but it's a judgment right yeah. you know 
pigs understand that when that they're here to feed us. That's part of the deal, right? So, so just thank them and bless them and, and love them, right? And and if you love them with barbecue sauce, that's perfectly fine. But if you can't bear to eat pork right now, then don't. Yeah, it's fine too. There's yeah. no, you know, there's no don't judge anything. Everything is mm. a choice. Look, I like vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce, but if you don't like chocolate sauce, then don't eat it. <laughs> just don't judge it as bad, right? I'm, you know, not a fan of pickles, but that doesn't mean they're bad. That just means they're not my preference, right? Yeah, I love this. And I think that, you know, when we were working together, this is, we kind of talked a bit about this, about why sometimes we get frustrated with the healing community because there can be so much dogma when really it all it is is judgment. So much judgment, yeah. So much judgment. Yeah. That's why I, I love, you know, working with individuals because every single individual is different. Every single individual's got a different story. Every sing, single individual got to this moment on a different path. And that's why I don't have any plan going into a session because it's like, here we are. Where do we go from here? And, um, you know, so, which is really great. And, and people are so fascinating. It's so, yeah. I mean, you, there's no way that I can make this stuff up, right? There's no yeah. way to see no. people's defense systems, that people build walls and people... You know, yeah. it's just nuts with what you can do with energy. No. Unlimited possibilities. No, I found your work to be incredibly accurate. And the number one sensation that I had afterwards was a sensation of space. I was like, I have more space now yes. to, you know, and I think that was like that connection with my soul. It was like, oh, I am so much less attached to, it's funny, I could hardly remember the stories that were there when we started. Because they I don't just mean had a, anymore. There's no they more. don't mean it. There was no more meaning. I had no um, emotional response or sensation anymore to the things that we had worked on. They were just gone. That's right. It was an incredible relief. Going back to my wife sitting there saying worthless, 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 until all of a sudden it shifts. And then all of a sudden she doesn't even need to say the word anymore. And she just moves on with her life, right? The word means nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan, where can people find you if they're interested in your work? Right now, I'm in a, on a website with my mom and another lady called uh, energy.me, I-N-N-E-R-G-Y dot me, M-E. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can uh, get, email me at D-D-M-A-R-C-H-I-N-I at A-T-T dot net. Great. And I'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes. And um, depending on, I don't yet have a production. Well, actually, this is going to come out July 2nd, probably. Um, but, uh, you know, as you, I know that you've been working on developing some new stuff. And so as it comes out, we will add that to the show notes. So if you are listening for the first time, not right when this comes out, you might have Dan's new uh, stuff. So Dan, if, you know, if there's one thing that you wanted to say to the listeners, what would that be? What I would like to say is to don't judge yourself. And when you do judge yourself, take a look at it, right? And, and ask for help. There's nothing wrong with ask for help. If you're stuck, ask for help to move past that judgment because you, didn't, you haven't done anything wrong. Nobody's done anything wrong to you. You know, you, it's just our belief system and our kind of, you know, filters that we're seeing things through, right? Everything from the moment you were created was just a choice and no wrong or right. You know, so we need to get back to that and look at that every moment as, as a gift of awareness to, you know, what we might want to do next, right? If I, if I, you know, find something that's not serving me, then fine, then look for something else. It's fine. There's, 
there's unlimited possibilities and, and we don't need to judge any of them or, or anybody, especially ourselves. Nobody judges us worse than we judge ourselves, right? Right. Yeah. So it, it, and I'm not saying it's easy. It's a lot of pain and it's a lot of work. And I, you know, worked on myself a lot and I went through a lot of pain to get where I am, but it was worth it. And, and as I started to, to realize that, man, every time I, you know, lay on the floor, floor and writhe in pain for 30 minutes, I feel so much better. I started to look forward to it. And, you know, we have 137 employees at my job. And I, you know, the minute I started to look at them as all as gifts to trigger me so I could work on myself, then it, the whole thing shifted, right? I was like, oh man, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, say something <laughs> to me that's going to make me mad. Right? And then, you know, I could quickly move through it. And it just, you know, became part of my whole daily plan was to work on myself all day, right? And, you know, sometimes it's hard. And, and many times I hid in the bathroom for 30 minutes while I, you know, wept or felt the pain or whatever, but you got to do what you got to do, right? So, you know, just, you got to do it and it, it, and it's, it won't kill you. That wraps up the interview with Dan. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dan's perspective and hearing a bit about his work. I really invite you to email me or, you know, on Patreon, send me a note and let me know what you think about the theories, about his perspective. I would love for this podcast series to open up a conversation about how we as healers interact and how we relate to healers and to the healing work that's out in the world. So please shoot me a line. Otherwise, I'm just talking to you in the air of the radio. Hope you're having a lovely week. I'll see you in a couple of weeks with another interview continuing season two of Healers. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.